Hi friends and welcome to the God is in the Minute podcast where Anna and Amy will take you through the Bible in one year. We will also have pop-up episodes to share what God is doing in our lives as well as those around us. Grab a buddy, grab your Bible, and grab a heart for the Lord to change you. We are so grateful to have you on this journey with us. Find us on social media at God is in the Minute. Thank you for joining us. Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode with Anna and I. Yes, welcome. We're excited. Welcome to week two. We hope you guys have been reading and studying along. If not, it is not too late to jump in. You're just one week behind. Yes, that's crazy. Like the week will fly by, right? So today we're doing um, Genesis 20 through 35, which is so much. So don't get overwhelmed by that. I'm going to try to keep it simple and just keep us to the point. Um, it's, it's a lot there. There's a lot in the old Testament as Anna and I have been through this and we try really hard to, I don't know. And I guess we just try really hard to relate it back to life, even though it's such a big picture. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, we're covering so much in such a tiny amount of time. This is why we really want to encourage you guys to go read. And if, if, you know, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, I'm not a reader. I wasn't a reader either until I started reading the Bible. And I actually um, had some trouble with visual tracking. And since I've been reading the Bible, it's gotten so much better. But I've been telling people, if you get the YouVersion Bible app, you can tap and just listen. And it takes like five minutes to listen to the few chapters a day. And the, and I like the, on the, when you're listening on that, it actually jumps. So the verse they're reading, it jumps down, like there's a little tab that'll jump down. And so if you're not driving or anything, you know, a lot of times we listen to an audio like driving or while we're doing something else. But if you're just sitting, I like that it jumps the verses down. And I feel like there's certain words that always stick out to me when that, when I watch it jump down, I don't know, it's just maybe a visual, but it's kind of it helps a little bit sometimes to take it in because it is a lot of stuff. Like it's just so much goodness. It's so hard to condense it down. Um, So then the new Testament today is going to be Matthew seven through 11. So why don't we just jump right in? Um, Anna, do you want to lead us in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Lord, we thank you for being with us right now. We worship you, Jesus. There's no one like you. Lord, I pray that you would breathe your spirit on this word today and that it would become alive. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say, fear, you have to go. Jezebel, you have to go. Go with your witchcraft, your anxiety, your confusion, your rebellion, your desperation. We say, Holy Spirit, come rule and reign in this place. Father, I thank you that no one came to hear us. They all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, again, it's so much information, and we um, we want it to just be applicable. So what I want to point out to start, so, verse, so Genesis 20 starts, um, so Sarah is in, in the scene with Elimelech and with Abraham, and you know, Abraham lies in this chapter. And when I, when I read through it, okay, he lied. When I read through it, I ask myself, why, 
do all of us continue to revisit the sin over and over? You know, he, he's lied before. This is not the first time we talked about it in the first set. Why do we continue to, to, to revisit and redo the things in our life that we know that are not healthy for us? And they don't lead us to light. They lead us to darkness. And it just really brings it all to light. And I want to just point this out. Nothing in the Lord is wasted. So God sees all of it. Like he's a God who sees, and he is the God of this living Bible that we work through our days with. And he is, it's the sword of the spirit and nothing in him is wasted. So we may feel, okay, we're revisiting the same thing. Okay. Um, as you guys know, from a previous episode, you know, I had the spirit of offense and I really struggled with it. Um, and I continued to wake up in the morning as our mercies are new every morning from Lamentations 3 uh, or 23, 323. <laughs> um, I ask myself, why, what did I gain from struggling last night from this offense before I was delivered from it? And I, I often told myself nothing was wasted. So then we go, so, you know, within Genesis, then we go to chapter 21, leading our brains forward saying, okay, Abraham was not being, was not being, I don't want to say the best, but you know, Abraham was, was struggling. He was revisiting the same things over and over, but yet the next chapter we see Isaac be born and Sarah and, and Abraham doubted they didn't ever think that they would conceive a child. Isaac was, or I mean, Abraham was a hundred plus or very, very old in age. And Isaac was born and Isaac means the word, the name Isaac means he laughs. So then I look at, okay, so we're given a son. His name is he laughs. He laughs. So we have situation up to previous, the previous 20 chapters that have called, that have been Things have been revisited. Sins have been revisited. The original sin happened in the beginning. There's things that aren't so beautiful. But what God does in 21 is he birth, they birth a son and his name is Isaac. And it means he laughs. So we take doubt and frustration and sin and we turn it around to receive laughter in a son. That means he laughs. I, I just we, nothing is wasted in, in the Lord's kingdom. So then if you go forward in 22, you just keep on moving. Abraham's asked to sacrifice Isaac. Okay, so I've given you a son. You're old in age. He's brought joy to a situation because his name means he laughs. But yet now I want you to go sacrifice him. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Let's take him up here and let's sacrifice him. So what does Abraham have to do at this point? He really, really has to show his faith. Okay. He has to be for real in this. Okay. I don't know another word to say, but he has to be pretty for real and pretty legit here because this is a big deal. This is taking something that is your prized possession and you're going to sacrifice it. So my question here to myself, to you guys is, are our actions that others see? So Abraham taking Isaac to be sacrificed, but then up comes the sacrifice and Isaac is spared. But the action was that Abraham was being obedient. Are we showing others in our ways that we're talking, acting, feeling, preparing our days? Are we showing obedience or are we fearful of giving up control? Like, are we fearful of giving up the control of our own life when really 
again, it's all in the Lord's timing and nothing in the Lord is wasted. Nothing. I think that that really needs to be something that we really drill down today in these verses in these what 15 chapters. So Genesis that even though it looks hard, even though it's painful, even though it's not what we, what we thought it may be, it's not wasted in the Lord. Never. And he's so merciful and he'll give us things that we don't even deserve when we come off of a night that possibly we failed or we feel like we failed, but yet he's going to give us love. He's going to let us receive him. And he he's there. He's never, he's never going to go away. Um, on to 23 and 24. Um, really here again, Abraham wasn't perfect, but he really invested in the Lord. And when he invested in the Lord, he put every heart and soul, his heart and soul into every situation with him. He didn't make all great decisions, but neither do you and I, right? I mean, there's so many things that I could look back yesterday and say things I did differently, um, and, or should have done differently. And again, before I was delivered from the spirit of offense, it was bad. Like it was rough. I mean, there were some days that I really doubted, like I really doubted myself. Am I really living a faithful life? Like what are my actions showing those around me when I can't even get through the day without being offended and being upset over something that is so small maybe, or it perhaps wasn't so small, but either way, it's not of the Lord. It was a spirit of offense. So am I, Am I really investing every single situation into him, even though am I trusting, even though I feel like I'm failing? Like, but am I really trusting that he rewards that investment for me to grow? I, we just really have to think about that. And then, um, you know, it continues again, 23 and 24, you know, starts with Sarah's burial and then it goes into Isaac and his wife. So this is a story I think that we hear a lot about Rachel. Let's see. Who are they? Let's see. It's Rachel. It's Laban, Rachel, Leah, and who am I missing? Oh, Jacob. I'm <laughs> like, I'm missing one of them. Um, so, you know, it's a story we hear a lot um, over and over. Um, but Anyway, we'll get to that. So 20, so 24, um, the wife of Isaac. So then we run into, um, we run into again, feeling like we have to keep our eyes set on the Lord because actually we don't really know the plan. We don't, we don't really know the plan because in 24, um, they, um, they arrive, the Lord walks up to the, the Lord kind of shows up and the Lord kind of shows up where nobody is really expecting it. Um, and the, the, the water is filled to the brim and then we continue to drink the water. Okay. The bottom line here is that the Lord is just showing up, right? The Lord is just there in the times that we just don't feel like he may show up. Like he shows up. Um, and he, he's just, he's just always there. He doesn't really always intend to be there in the exact moments, but we have to remember that. He shows up in his perfect timing when just when things are starting to fall apart, he shows up to it. Right. I mean, he just, he's just there. Um, let's see. So 20, 24, chapter 24 is kind of long and we, it, it's kind of a lot and it goes through um, a lot of, uh, let's see a discord, like a lot of discord, maybe a lot of um, 
fail, not failure. I don't want to say failure, but a lot of um, disappointment. I mean, it goes through like all the feelings kind of in that same, in the, in all of that chapter, it just, um, the, as it goes basically to, to get a wife and then it, it, it just, is there's so much turmoil. I mean, it, feel it, live it, feel it. But, but the bottom line is at the end of the chapter, Isaac was comforted, even though it really didn't feel comforting. He was comforted. And I know that sounds so hard sometimes, um, but it's so true when just when we feel like we're on the brink of falling down, like there's still, there's hope. Um, So let's see. So then 20, let's see, this is 25. So Abraham dies, I think 175 years old. Like that's crazy. Um, So then the birth of (laughs) Jacob and Esau is a big one. Um, Lots and lots here, guys, lots. Um, So Isaac marries Rebecca through a lot of, a lot of, really not a a deception. Let's go through that. Like there's just lots of deception there, but again, we, we move forward. Um, so Rebecca was childless. Isaac prays fervently to the Lord. He's reset. He's receptive to that. She bores children. They're twins. They're Jacob and Esau. So Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. And, um, the first baby came out covered in hair, like a fur coat. And his name was Esau. And then Jacob came out grasping on to Esau's leg. Um, I guess leg. I don't know that it ever really deciphers, but the bottom line here is Jacob was hanging on for dear life to Esau. This is big. This is a big one because this, this right off in the womb, they're delivered already. We have descriptions of Esau being hairy, very fur like. And then we have a visual of Jacob clinging, clinging on to something. And I really, really think about this as a whole of really God doesn't label us but we place these labels when we describe things. So Jacob was described as clinging on to Esau. Esau was described maybe as not being as, you know, maybe beautiful. I don't know, like fur like, I mean, that's, I don't know why I want to be described as fur like, but what I want to say here is that when we place words on certain things, it changes the way that we see things. It changes the way that, we describe things to others. So I place that we place Jacob clinging to Esau. All of a sudden we think Jacob is the weaker one just by the words we've placed on him. Um, I, there, there's so much frustration that comes after all of this. Um, Esau sells his birthrights to Jacob. Um, Isaac is deceived because then Sarah is in, or Rebecca's in on this, that they went to, they trade birthrights and then Sarah, (laughs) I don't keep saying Sarah, Rebecca, um, lie, let's, let's them lie. And then Isaac is deceived. Here is the thing. 
we already have a visual because we've placed a we've placed a kind of a label on these two. So Jacob is always trying to cling on and to do to do more. Jacob Jacob was Esau was the lesser of the children. He was described as fur like, but Jacob was clinging, right? From the very beginning. Jacob was Jacob was chosen. The blessing was given over Jacob, but he was so promised. He he was he was promised all of this. But then I get mad at Rebecca because then she covers for Jacob. So it, it, there, there's so many different lines here going. But what I what we need to really, really understand here is that when we grasp on to the Lord's grace, it brings immeasurable glory when he just dumps things on us that are, we really are unworthy of, like there are so many, so many strings, like uh, right now in my mind, I'm visualizing like these, um, these lines jumping from one name to the other. So Rebecca is allowing this deception to happen. So wonder what the outcome would have been if Jacob and Rebecca had waited for God's plan. So that like my little synapse in the brain, and I'm kind of getting a visual of these little lines jumping from one thing to another. So, so Rebecca and Jacob had waited for the God, for the Lord's plan. Wonder, wonder what it would look like. Wonder where we should have let sin not control a situation. Where would we should have just let God control the situation? I wonder in verse 42, Esau wants to kill Jacob um, but perhaps what if we wanted to offer, to offer the opportunity of letting God take the course and not grow angry and him and Esau not have been, been so angry. We don't know, but what if, and so what if the, the lines of this of electricity really is how I'm seeing it like these shooting, almost like a shooting line between these things. Like what if we would have just let the Lord take over? And we wouldn't have the, these humans here that we're talking about wouldn't have been in control. Like, where would the outcome have been different? Like, how can we wonder how it could have been different? And then in 28, so that so 27, the blessing stolen again. What if we would have waited for God's plan in this? And then 28, Jacob has a dream, he's giving him a chance to personally seek him and allow repentance and a relationship. So this is under the, the Abram, the Abram, the Abraham covenant. But again, here's a dream, which I am very spoken to in dreams. And so Jacob has a dream and it is allowing a little bit more of the Lord's presence to be involved with this. So then it's allowing perhaps this little jumping electricity of, of, of people kind of to be diverted and allow it to go back to God in the center. I mean, it just, we really, really need to remember that. And we really need to remember that nothing is wasted in God's kingdom. Nothing, nothing is wasted. Um, so then, um, we, this jumps to a whole nother thing, Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, and Laban, who I mentioned earlier, who is a story that we hear a lot about and a lot of relation to it. Um, it really stirs me. So Jacob 
um, has now deceived Esau twice, not once, but twice. Again, how many, you know, how many times do we allow sin to repeat itself? But again, nothing's wasted. Um, and now Jacob gets deceived. So it kind of goes full circle, right? Um, it can be so easy for us to be upset with what happens to us for getting what we've done to someone else. So we get so gummed up and, oh, I can't believe they could have treated me like that. Well, what have we done to them? You know, so at this point, Jacob has now deceived twice. He's deceived, he's deceived Esau twice. He's taken his birthright and he's now, he, he's, de- he's deceived his dad and Isaac's been deceived. There's so much blindness and Rebecca was in on all of this. What though now can Jacob say to to um, Laban to say, well, why are you deceiving me? Well, hello. What kind of, I don't want to say what goes around comes around, but kind of, you know, anyway. So if you're not doing our sin, if you're, if you're not doing to others, what you want done to you. Okay. It's pretty simple, but the, our sin has a way of circling back to us. And it, and it really does. And I think we're seeing this here again. My visual here in my mind is these lines jumping back and forth and just sin, 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 one bouncing off of another, but where's the Lord in this? Like, are we forgetting? Are we jumping over him? Are we forgetting this? Um, so um, Jacob, remember, was described as born on the heels of Esau. So Jacob con- was born and described already about clinging and tr- almost striving, like reaching as far as he can reach. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like that's, that's just goes back to, again, our labeling. Um, he was born on the heels of Esau and now it, um, to which his name means grasp the heels or he deceives. Um, he is labeled to, to bottom line. He's labeled. And these, these human these human decisions have allowed sin to continue to circle. And it, all of this truly gives me hope. And I know in the midst of all of this, you think how in the, in how in the world do we have hope? You know, how in the world can we have hope in all of this? But what I know is that God remembers us all. And he remembers that our true worth is never going to change in what his preparation for us is. It's just not. It gives us hope. It gives me hope that he will never, ever change for what his original plan was for us. Um, I dig so deep in my heart about Laban, Jacob, Esau, it's, it's like every time that I read this over and over, um, Jacob was not, did not live in perfection, but Laban didn't treat him fairly, but God doesn't just give us, give bad things to bad people. Um, we'll study Job coming up and that you, you will understand that a little more, but we know that everything is in control by him. And when we continue to ignore it, that is when this circling of sin continues to happen. Um, we have to let him work in our hearts, which they were forgetting to do this. Um, in 32, Jacob gets a new name because he continues, he, he's persistent in his growth. 
and he's changed. And so it may take a long time of things to happen for us, but I tell you it's persistence and it's how are you going to purify your thinking and to rid yourself of these feelings that God really has the bigger plan for all of us. And so as we end close to, you know, close to the end, so 35 is our ending today. And um, Jacob, so then, so Jacob returns to Bethel. Um, He says, go to Bethel and settle there and build an altar to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So now we want to circle back. So, right, it's coming full circle. So the sin was circling, but also this blessing is almost circling that now God is speaking directly to Jacob to say, go back to your brother, like go back and make this right. Go back and start this over, like stop the cycle of the ugly and let us show Let us show the Lord that we really want to obey and God is in control of the big plan. So God isn't finished with this. Like get up and go to Bethel. And I feel like that is where our brain should be today. Get up and go. Do it. You can be delivered. You can change the cycle, but we cannot allow those little lights of electricity to jump back and forth to each other and forget the Lord is in the center because nothing of his is wasted. And all of these like 15 chapters show us today that the bottom line is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, and nothing is wasted. Nothing. That is so, so good. Um, If you're finished, I have a few things I'll add for Genesis before I start in Matthew. I am all finished. Yes. All right. That was so good. What's through my reading of those 15 chapters, there's just one thing I feel really led to touch on that really stuck out to me. And it was Sarah's jealousy. And this caused her to do such an ugly thing to Hagar. Jealousy is an ugly, evil spirit that will possess us to do evil things. And we have to get control of this spirit immediately. We do this by taking our thoughts captive and being thankful. This means when, if you are struggling with the spirit of jealousy, you might not even know you're struggling with it. But if God reveals this to you and you're struggling with it, when those thoughts come, or even if it's maybe not so much jealousy in a way of really wishing you had what they had or whatever, it could be jealousy in a way of this person was really mean to you and now they're really prospering and it's hard to see that that can be hard and you can do this by taking your thoughts captive so when those thoughts come to you of you know I don't understand why they're doing so well and they're leading this very sinful life and then you're here and you're trying to do well and you don't understand why the struggle just keeps coming to you and take those thoughts captive Mm -hmm. and Make them obedient to Christ. Immediately replace them with a prayer for your own heart. Jealousy go. Holy Spirit come. Start thanking God and worshiping him and praying for that other person as well. And then the flip side of it, if you're dealing with a lot of jealous people in your life, and I think we all encounter 
jealous people here and there, but if you're dealing with a lot of them, it's important to step back from those people because the Bible is very clear that where there's jealousy, there's every kind of evil practice. It is a demonic spirit that possesses people to do very mean and spiteful and hateful things. I um, went through this this past year with, with a couple people in my life that they, they really struggled with jealousy and it caused them to do some really, really mean things to me that were really hurtful. Um, and when you identify that you have very jealous people in your life, no matter if they're family or friends, it's really important to take a step back from those people because jealousy is a very evil thing. Step back and just, just really lean into prayer for them. Um, because we see what Sarah's jealousy caused her to do. And Hagar must have felt so abandoned, but she still cried out to God. Verse uh, in chapter 21, verse 17 says that even in the driest desert, God saw her. This is our God. He never takes his eyes off his people. He sees you and he hears you. And sometimes people say, you know, oh, I feel like God isn't hearing me or seeing me. I feel like God has withdrawn from me. Well, I always think when I go through seasons like that, I stop and ask myself, okay, am I doing everything I can? Am I leaning into prayer? Am I leaning into worship? Am I spending time in the word? And if the answer to all of that is yes, and I still feel like, where is God? Then I might say, okay, maybe God is calling me to lean in deeper. Maybe he's calling me to trust him when I can't see, hear, or feel him. And maybe this is a test of my faith. Maybe he's pushing me to grow right now. So no matter the season you're in or what you're dealing with, still lean in, lean in to God, no matter what. Okay. And then that is my wrap. Thank you for pointing that out because that that is huge in the beginning. And also it comes to me that we can't label a situation because when we label it, that is what we own. And so if we own the jealousy or if we label it as jealousy or we – act upon jealousy, then we've labeled it. And then we have to own that. And we don't want to own ugly spirits like that. Like we, we can't own them. We have to leave them. And so what we can, right. What we learn from this is that it's, it's kind of an original sin, right? Cause I mean, the jealousy was, it was there before. And so Sarah exhibits, exhibits this with, with Hagar don't own it because she owned it. Right. And she acted upon it. So when we don't own it, we can let it go. And this, and the Holy spirit come, let it go. But Sarah didn't, she owned it. And then the rest of the 15 chapters, you know, which was just a circle of sin. And so I think that's a good illustration. So thank you for bringing that up, Anna. See, that's why I need you to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, that just really stuck out to me Mm -hmm. is, um, just getting away from that spirit. And if you go on version and you search the word jealousy and you look at all the scriptures that talk about it over and over and over, you see where jealousy is. There is every kind of evil practice. Get away from it. Get away from these people. If people are jealous, they're probably gossiping and slandering. And these are not the kind of people you need to be spending a lot of time with because they're going to hurt you and they're going to do really, really evil things to you because of the jealousy that's in their own heart, they have to go and get right with God because of it. Or if you personally are struggling with this and you know you struggle, then 
Lean into prayer. Ask God to help you not be jealous. And how you get over this is by taking your thoughts captive. Amy and I talk about taking thoughts captive so, so much in every area of our life, whether it's an offense or um, you're dealing with a lot of pain that people have caused you and you can't stop dwelling on it. Got to take those thoughts captive. Okay. So on to Matthew, we are reading Matthew chapters seven through 11. I have so much goodness that God has put on my heart through studying all of this. I highly recommend go and read Matthew seven through 11. If you do any of this reading, jump into the new Testament. It's a few short chapters, read it. I promise that you will be so fulfilled, overflowing. So go and read it and dwell there. So we start in Matthew 7, and we start off, it's titled, Do Not Judge. That's the first six verses. So we need to judge ourselves first and then kindly forgive the other person. Verse 6, we shouldn't entrust holy teachings to people who don't want to listen and will only tear apart what we say. This means that we should be wise and discerning as we witness. So we'll reach the people God has prepared to hear us. What this is saying is you can witness to people and we need to be witnessing to everyone. I cannot stress that enough, but you might witness to people and they might be constantly rejecting it and don't want to hear it and maybe being rude about it. And then at that point, it might be time to dust your feet and just lean into prayer for those people. Remember, prayer is not the least we can do. It is the most um, then I want to jump down to starting in verse seven, where it says, ask, seek, knock. This is one of my favorite passages, but it can be so easily taken out of context because the scriptures say, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Okay, so Right there, it's saying, if you ask, it's yours. And this is where it's taken out of context. People think, oh, that's great. I'm going to ask for a million dollars and it's mine. The Bible says that, right? No, you have to read the scriptures that go along with it. You have to dig into that because this scripture goes on to say that um, it says, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven do good things to those who ask him? So what these scriptures are saying is sometimes we ask, we pray for serpents, but God doesn't give us what we want because we're not praying in accordance with his will. So yes, we will ask and receive, search and find, knock and the door will be open if we are doing so in God's will. And the only way we can get into alignment with praying in the will of God is to be daily encountering him, seeking him every day, searching his word for answers is what you're praying for. First question, does that align with the word of God? Run it under the light. The word of God is our light. If the answer is yes, then okay, you're probably on the right track there. Continue to seek him and ask him. God will always, always answer you. It might be yes, it might be no, it might be wait, but there's always an answer. But God wants us to lean in, to seek him constantly. This this doesn't say ask one time and then hope it happens. No, we need to lean into prayer. So we have to remember that communicating with God through prayer takes faith, focus, and follow through. So again, when we're praying for these serpents, 
God's not going to give us what we ask. And how many times have we been there? So many times in my life, I have pleaded with God for what I didn't know was serpents. I was pleading for things that were out of his will. And I didn't know that this wasn't God's plan for me. It wasn't necessarily outside of scripture, but it wasn't what God had for me. And I was begging and pleading and asking, and I felt like I was doing all the things, but this for in my life was a serpent to me. And God revealed this to me. And when I received this revelation, I I was just totally totally on the floor, shocked. I was like, wow, God, you are so good. And now I look back and I see the serpents I was praying for. And I just thank him that he did not give me what I wanted. And I feel like I'm in a place right now in my life where I am so surrendered to the will of God. If it's not in his will, I don't even want to look at it think about it, go near it, because the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. The most dangerous place you can be is just outside of it, because that is where so many things can go wrong in your life. You hear stories of people who took things into their own hands and their lives look a lot different. They, because they didn't obey God and stay in his will, they've, they've, dealt with some very serious struggles that could have been avoided. And we've all done that on different levels, but um, it's just really important to me that we need to be praying in accordance with God's will. And just remember that if you're praying for serpents, God's not going to give you a serpent. He's a good, good father. He wants to give you what's best for you. He will withhold no good thing from those who diligently seek him. Keyword there, diligently. Okay, moving on because I'm sitting in here too long. (laughs) Um, Let's see. The golden rule, that's also right here. It talks about whatever you do to others, um, it says, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. So the golden rule is the foundation of active goodness and mercy, the kind of love God shows us every single day, which is just so beautiful to me. Okay, we're going to jump to chapter eight. This is where the wind and the waves obey Jesus. And this is what I want to focus on most for chapter eight. Again, there's so much goodness I'm skipping over here, but this is our focus. So the disciples are on a boat with Jesus and a storm comes and Jesus is just sleeping while this storm is raging. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was on one of those little boats they were on and a storm was raging in the sea, I would definitely not be sleeping. And I am a sound sleeper. The storm I want you guys to understand that the storm that is happening is spiritual warfare. This storm is trying to stop Jesus from ministering. So Jesus is sleeping when he knows this is spiritual warfare. He knows that the storm is trying to stop him from getting to where he needs to go to reach these people. But he's just sleeping in the storm. He is sleeping through spiritual warfare. He's sleeping while Satan is attacking him. How was he able to do this? Because he knew Satan was under his feet. So we can also sleep in the storm knowing this truth. We can rest in Jesus in the midst of attacks because he is the one who controls the wind and the waves. They have to bow to him. They have to submit to him. The wind and the waves that are coming against you and attacking you in your life, they have to submit to Jesus Christ and you can rest in him. And abide in him because you're safe with him. You're safe in his will. Satan is underneath your feet. Remind him through the blood of Jesus that is over you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you to be in his kingdom. 
rest in him, sleep in the storm, be still and still fight. You can be still in the flesh and still fight through the weapons of your warfare by resting in Jesus with prayer and the word and worship. Resting in Jesus does not mean doing nothing. It means doing those three things. That is how we rest in him. Okay, I'm going to jump to verse nine now. The first few verses really get me. See, Jesus saw the faith of the friends who brought this man to him. Many people who are desperately ill need other believers to pray and seek Jesus for them. Remember, your circle of friends matters. We just talked about this a few minutes ago when I touched on jealousy and I said, if you have jealous people in your life, you know, no matter how good of friends they might be, you have to step back. This is not God's will for you. You have to step back from these people. I'm not saying you have to cut them off or anything, but you have to step back because every kind of evil practice is within someone who struggles with the spirit of jealousy. So you need to be in, around friends. Get a group of friends that have faith that will go to war and prayer for you. Let me tell you guys something. When I have a prayer request, there is a couple people I can count on one hand who I will go to with this prayer request that I know that I know they will lean into prayer. When they say they pray, they're not just going to say a quick, short, prayer and leave it on or forget to pray about it. They will lean in. Amy is one of those people. She's the first one I go to. She, I know that I know Amy will lean into prayer. She will hear from the Lord and she will get back to me. I know that she will pray with me through things. That is the kind of people you need in your life. And if you're looking at the people around you and you're like, gosh, I don't even know if I have one person like that, pray and ask the Lord to bring someone into your life like that. Obey. When God tells you to send a scripture to someone or to invite someone on this read through with you right now, do it. It might be that person. You need people in your life that are prayer warriors, that when you are weak, they can stand in the gap and intercede for you. We all go through those phases when we're weak and we feel like we just can't even pray for ourselves. You have to have prayer warriors. The faith of your friends matters so much. And then I'm going to jump down still in chapter nine to Jesus healing the blind man. The blind man was persistent, okay? They knew Jesus could heal them. They let nothing stop them from finding Jesus to heal this man. He let nothing stop him. That is faith in action. If you truly believe in Jesus, you truly believe that he can meet your needs. Do not let anything stop you from reaching him. Don't let negative people, don't let circumstances. If you work seven days a week, sun up to sundown, and you can't get to church, you can't, you don't have a ton of time. You don't have two hours a day to sit and read your Bible. Like, you know, a lot of us are like that. I'm in the horse industry. It's every single day, all day for me. There's no, no such thing as a real day off. This is when you have to let nothing stop you from reaching Jesus. This means when you're watering horses, pull your phone out, get on the YouVersion Bible app and read some scriptures. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I cannot tell you how many times I have been watering horses this summer at wee hours in the morning. And I did my Bible study from my phone, sent Amy my notes while I'm right there watering horses, because that is literally the only time in my day I was going to have time to do that. Because unless I did it, at 3.30 in the morning or at like 10 o'clock at night, it just wasn't going to happen. We all have times like that. Find time, whether you're watering horses or 
whatever, you can find your time. So let nothing stop you from reaching Jesus. If you take anything away, let it be that no matter how busy you are. Okay, we're going to jump to chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he does the same for us today. He calls us and lets us choose to follow him. Jesus called and he still calls people from all walks of life. Jesus is calling you right now. Whoever's listening, he is calling you. He has big plans for your life. He has things he needs you to do. Are you going to obey? It's your choice to surrender to him, to lean into his word, to chase him with your whole heart. Surrender your life to him. Because if you choose to do this, I can tell you, you are going to live a life in his will. You're going to live a life hearing from God. Obedience brings so much blessing. Make the choice to follow him. And there's a lot of people who, you know, talk about, we talk about lukewarm Christians. That's, that's in scripture, right? And why does Jesus say he spits the lukewarm out of his mouth? Because the lukewarm are the people who believe in Jesus and all of the things, and they believe in the Bible, but they still knowingly go on, knowing all this, they go on and live very sinful lives. They don't try really to follow him through their actions. They just say, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. God hates that. He would rather you deny him and live this sinful life than do it in the name of Jesus. So this is where as believers, we need to be on fire. We need to be reading our scripture, praying, worshiping, sharing the gospel everywhere we go, trying to live in obedience. None of us are perfect. We fall short all the time, every single day. But we need to be trying. We need to be taking up our cross and following him. This is a minute by minute try. Our podcast is called God is in the minute. And let me tell you, he is. And minute by minute, we have to deny ourselves and follow him. Um, This is our choice. And then Jesus was showing that his presence demands a decision. As you take up your cross and follow him, your different values and morals will set you apart from others. Jesus calls us to a higher mission and to find comfort and tranquility in this life. Your commitment to God must be your first priority. It can't be your second priority or your third or, yeah, I believe in God, but I've got all these other things going on and I just don't have the time to read. I hear that more than I hear anything. I'm going to try to follow along, but I don't really have the time. Listen, If anybody doesn't have the time, I can tell you that it is Amy and I. There are times when both of us get so slammed busy, depending on the season of year and what's going on and, you know, horse shows or whatever it is, finding the time can be hard. But like I said, when you're watering horses in the morning at the horse show or just in your morning routine, whatever it is, find the time to pull your phone up. Listen. If that's all you can do is listen, then listen. So... Jesus's presence demands a decision. It demands a choice. People say, wow, I don't hear from God like you do. Or how are you always hearing from God and all this stuff? Because I'm constantly seeking him. If you were constantly seeking God, you would be hearing too. Of course, we all go through dry seasons, but you have to lean in and seek him. We need to be terrified of being out of his presence. A lot of times, you know, we say fear God. What does that really mean? Well, when I look at fear God, 
we need to be terrified of being out of his presence because we know how incredibly dangerous that is. We need to be seeking to be in his will and in his presence, no matter what, and living a life that's on fire for him and bold for him. Let 2024 be the year where bold believers stand up and stand together, sharing the gospel, praying with people everywhere we go. Could you imagine passing away and seeing someone and you're headed to heaven and they're headed the other way, they're headed to hell. And they say, all my life, I knew you, you were a believer. Why didn't you share this truth with me? Friends, loving Christians do not let their neighbors go to hell. We need to be witnessing and sharing the gospel. Get rid of pride, get rid of fear and do what God has called you to do. Okay. Jumping on to Chapter 11, which is the final chapter in Matthew we're going to touch on today. So although the crowds were following Jesus and the disciples had been sent out as missionaries, not everything was going perfect. John was publicly rebuked and put in prison. There he began to doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, Jesus answered John's doubts with scripture, which this is why it's important to be in the word. He does the exact same thing for us. So when you feel doubtful, you have to turn to his good and perfect word. Whatever your doubt is, get on you version, type it in the search bar. Scriptures are going to come up. God oftentimes, I think most of the time, speaks to us through his word. We have the literal heart and mouth of our father right here. This word is alive. When we open it up, this is how he speaks to us. Entering God's kingdom takes courage, unwavering faith determination and endurance. We have to be strong. We have to, this goes back to our verse that we are stewarding together this year. We have to set our mind on earthly things. Oh, sorry. It just paused on me. I thought it went away. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. did stop recording? Sorry. We have to set our mind no. on, on things above, not on earthly things. And we have to focus. To endure, we have to focus. We have to have faith and determination and endurance. Jumping down to verses 28 and 30, a yoke is a heavy wooden harness that would be put on oxen and attached to equipment that they pull. Jesus was referring to legalism. Jesus's yoke is easy and his burden is light. Hard things become easy in his presence. Take that away from today. Whatever you're dealing with that's hard in your life, if even if you think it's hard to get to God, it becomes easy in his presence. Make the choice, make the decision to get to God today and let it become easy in his presence. Obedience is easy in his presence. It's, it's hard. This is a hard choice. Obedience, spiritual warfare, we know that. But guess what? In the presence of God, it becomes easy when we remember why we are leaning into obedience, why we're doing this, because he is the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is above all. This is why we are obeying. Make that decision. Hard things become easy in the presence of God. So that is my wrap up for Matthew. It's so good. So first of all, I didn't want to interrupt your thought process, but just so you guys know, clearly, Anna is who I go to as well for prayer. So I know she is going to pray for me as well as she said that she calls me and I actually pray and I do. And I want you all to understand that, that it's not a superficial prayer. It is a 
I'm going to dig deep and really pray for this girl right now. And there's quite a few. We have multiple text threads that we're all on. And we really, we really encourage you to have that peace that, you know, you can reach out to somebody in your distress and very transparently. It's sometimes it's a distress of, we know that we're like committing the same thing over and over. We're still dealing with perhaps a stronghold that we can't get rid of, but we have to be transparent and say, look, we're failing today. Like I'm an, I, I'm failing at this today. Anna, will you please pray for me and help me through this? And it's, we cannot encourage you enough. And so how she many is also times my have we done that? And it could be minutes later, hours later, whatever. The other one will text and say, wow, I really feel your prayers. Oh, and when we say feel your prayers, I mean, we mean that because we feel a difference in the way that we are reacting or honestly just our heart feels less heavy and burdened. It's, it's, we really encourage you guys to have a buddy. So it's only week two. So remember to pick a buddy. So quickly, I have five things I want to say from, I have five thoughts I want to say from Matthew. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Okay, get away. Everything else go. Lord, come. We read in Genesis today, this continual just jealousy started it. It was a continual circle of sin. One thing led to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. But at the very end, the Lord says, go try to go try to make amends. We know that's not the end of the story. We're only midway through Genesis, but depart from me, you lawbreakers. It's a, it's um, in Matthew seven. So true. Next one is believe in the Lord's promises. I want everybody to show Jesus by the way that you act, stop what you're doing and just follow him. Stop with human, just follow him. Small things that God gives us grows to be the biggest blessing that someone else may need today. Share, go be obedient. If you, if you needed to hear it, I guarantee somebody else needed to hear it today. So share the smallest things can be the biggest blessings for somebody else. And the last thing I want to share is the Lord prepares our way. And when we keep him in the center, it's so much easier than trying to navigate it on our own. I assure you, I assure you. So this wraps up the week two to, to full reading Genesis 20, 35, and then Matthew seven to 11. We'll pick up next week on the next reading. We really, really encourage you to jump in the reading. Um, I, I can't, we can't stress it enough. Even if you're listening, if you're not sitting down taking notes, it's okay. Even if you're just listening, because when you listen to the Bible in your ear, you cannot be ungrateful. You cannot look at your life in a, in a, in a, in a blindfold of my life is falling apart or my day isn't going well. If you have the Bible in your ears, I can assure you your day is going to feel different. So we cannot, we cannot encourage you enough just to jump in because it's not too late to jump in. It's only week two. You Absolutely. haven't missed much. And pray about, pray about someone jumping in buddy. with you because yes. it is, Again, it is just so important to have that buddy system. Well, we are so grateful you joined us. And we can continue to tell you over and over about social media. But I think at this point, Anna, they know where to find us, right? Yes, we're on all <laughs> platforms. God is in the minute. Um, linked in our Instagram bio, you can get to the group me where we share notes every day. We also are going to be sharing notes every day on Facebook group. 
Um, and I want you all it. to know that when we ask you all to share, we, we kind of want you to share. We're, we're being serious. Like somebody else needs to hear it. Somebody else wants to hear it and they just don't even know where to go to find it. But you found us. So please share with one person because I'm telling you, they are looking for the same thing that you were and they need the same thing you did. And so that is where we, our heart is. Yes. And we are just beyond grateful you joined us today. Just adding one thing to that. I know we've been on here a while, but share with whoever God puts on your heart. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, the other morning I was feeding and I was listening to a Jensen Franklin podcast. Love Jensen Franklin. Side note there. And he, the podcast was really speaking to me. And out of nowhere, God put this girl on my heart that I barely ever talked to. Like I probably haven't texted with her in years. Really sweet girl. I really like her. We just, she lives far away and we just, we just know each other briefly. God put her on my heart. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to send it to her. And I hesitated a little. Cause I'm like, Oh, you never know how someone's going to take it. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just send it. God put her on my heart. So I send it to her. She texts me back in seconds and was like, I just cried. I've been praying and asking God to send me something. I need it. So friends, whoever is on your heart, just send it the podcast, a Bible verse, whatever it is. I can tell you if they're on your heart, God put them there for a reason. And every day we have, um, uh, we have an image to share. So if you don't, if you can't come up with something, there's a reason that Anna and I have put that out there because it's been on our heart. We've said it to one another. We've reminded each other of something, whatever it is, that is what our image is for the very next day usually. And so if it is, is written and you can see it with our trademark on there, it's because we want you to share it because somebody else needs to hear it too, because Anna and I needed it and I know you all need it too. So that's why we do what we're doing. So those are easy to share. Please, please just know that God wants you to be obedient. And we are so grateful. We're going to let you all go. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. We're so grateful. Bye-bye.